Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. We're going through the book of 2 Thessalonians, and we're going to finish it tonight. Chapter 3, it's the last chapter of the book. Uh, Paul is uh, writing things and kind of tying things together and giving one last parting shot. So if you'll find your notes there, we're going to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. We're going to begin with Paul's prayer request. He does this in a lot of his letters. At the end, he says, pray for, pray for. And so he does that in this passage as well. And so we're going to look at his prayer request. Verse 1, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it go, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we'll be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And we're confident, Lord, that you're doing and will continue to do the things we commanded you. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. So he begins with the rapid spread of the gospel. He says, look, I I want you to pray for us because the gospel message is going out, and I want you to pray that it will spread rapidly. I want it to be something like a fire that just keeps blazing and going and going. And so that's always a great thing for you and I to pray for too, isn't it? God, let your word go forth and let it spread. Let it just keep spreading wherever it goes. Because the Bible tells us how are they going to repent if they don't hear? And so Paul says, look, pray that this goes out. Pray that it goes. And that's the part we get to have with missions, with other things in our life, to be able to help the gospel spread. And then he talks about the resistance to the gospel, that wherever the gospel goes, Satan is going to be present to try and hinder it, isn't he? He's always going to try to put up barriers. He's always going to try to create confusion. He's always going to try to create difficulties and people not getting along and all kinds of things come in. And so he says, look, I want you to pray that there are people that are there. They're wicked and evil, he calls them, and pray that we'll be rescued from them because not everyone wants to hear the gospel. Not everyone likes that the gospel is being proclaimed. There are countries today where the gospel is outlawed. And believers, in order to hear it, have to be underground. Pray that those people do not win and that God's message keeps going forth. Notice what he writes in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. See, Satan, when he's going to counterfeit things, he doesn't just go completely opposite. He gives something that looks similar to, but it's not. It pretends to be. It's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. And how intense is Paul about this? Let God curses fall on anyone, including us, even an angel from heaven who preaches a different good news than the one we have preached to you. And so he says, look, 
Pray that the gospel gets out. Pray that it spreads rapidly. Pray that it just keeps being preached and keeps going forth. Pray that when that resistance comes, that it doesn't hinder that. Pray that when resistance comes, people keep standing firm and don't fall away just because it gets hard or just because they're confronted by something and opposed by what they're doing. Keep praying for that. And how can you do that? Well, he talks about the reliable nature of God. He says, the Lord is faithful. He will guard you. He will help you. That if you will trust Him, He will continue to be with you if you will continue to be obedient. And let the Lord minister to you and help you. And I like that verse 5, that how he, in, how he says this. He says, I want the Lord to lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. You see, if the gospel is going to be opposed, you're going to need endurance to keep going, aren't you? You're going to have to be persistent about this. It's not something we can just idly set by. God will be faithful, and we have to be faithful of God. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources. Aren't you glad his resources are unlimited? Never run out. Never run out. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. So he knows that these people are going through a hard time. He knows that there's confusion all about. And as he's ending the letter, he said, look, here's what I want you to understand, that the gospel needs to keep going. Pray that it keeps spreading. Pray that it keeps going. And as it does that, understand something. It's going to be opposed. There's going to be people coming against it. Don't be shocked by that. Don't be surprised by that. You keep being faithful. You keep going. You keep praying. You keep working. God will be faithful as well. It was a, it's a great message for these people. It's a great message for us today, isn't it? Same thing. Keep going. Oh, there's going to be opposition. Oh, there's going to be people that are just going to kind of imitate and say this is the truth and this is the truth, and it's not. Don't give up. Don't be afraid. Don't stop. The gospel is going to go forth, and no one can stop it. Jesus said it this way, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. You keep going. God's going to be faithful. The battle is going to be won. So Paul writes to them and gives them a prayer request and tells them within that, here's how it works. Here's what you pray for, because you need to keep going. Secondly, Paul deals with a problem. Imagine that. Now, as we've read this, and I've said this several times before, but just let me remind you, much of the New Testament that Paul wrote, he wrote in response to problems. So when the church has a problem today, don't be surprised by that. The church had a problem back in Paul's day, didn't it? People couldn't get along. There was wrong, wrong things being taught. That's just been a thing that has gone on since the very beginning because Satan is at work, isn't he? And so he wants to deal with a problem that is there that he wants to make sure that they are aware that he's aware and he wants to tell them what to do about it. So he says, first of all, listen to my instruction. There's a problem here. Now I'm going to tell you what to do. Don't you wish that when you looked at your kids 
or your grandkids, here, I've got, you've got a problem, let me tell you what to do, and they would go, oh, yeah, that's right. Don't you wish that was the way it worked, or you got somebody, a friend or somebody, let me tell you what the problem is, and let me tell you how to fix it. Oh, okay, thank you. But that's what Paul does. He says, look, I'm going to tell you what to do. And he gets very strong with them here, very intense, so to speak. And so he, notice how he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command. In other words, this is non-debatable, non-negotiable. Here's the command. It's in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just me. This is what God wants you to do. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition or the instructions or what I taught you before that you have received from us. And Paul's being very forceful. He's saying, stay away from these people. Don't be, come to a place where, you know, you let them influence you. And so what that is is... Notice who he's addressing. It's very critical that you get this. Stay away from all believers. He's not talking about the unsaved, is he? He's talking about the believers, the people in this church. He says, they live idle lives and they don't follow the instructions, the words that we've given to them. Just stay away from them. Don't, why? Don't let them influence you. Don't let them have an influence on your life. When somebody isn't living up to what is right, don't let them be an in It doesn't mean you have to shun them. Some have taken it to that extreme, haven't they? Don't, don't even talk to them. You know, you don't need to have close fellowship with them. Just stay away from him. Be, be, he's being very forceful. He says, you listen to my instruction. And then he says something. He says, imitate me. Imitate me. Notice what he says in verse 7. You know that you ought to imitate us. Now, Paul says this in another place. He says, you follow me as I follow Christ. So here's the kind of life we should be lived. And, you know, there's a popular Christian song that's out now that talks about, well, I don't want to leave a legacy. Yes, you do. And when I was younger in life, I thought, oh, no, don't, don't look at me, look at Jesus. That sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? Oh, don't follow me, you follow Jesus. Sounds real nice. But you know what? People are going to follow somebody. And you and I need to be living such a life that we can say to them, follow me. Do what I do and I won't take you down a wrong road. Live as I live. Now, that doesn't mean you got to mimic me. That doesn't mean you got to have the same personality as me. It doesn't mean you got to be just like me. But I need to be living such a life for Christ that you can watch and you can follow me. And if people can't follow you, then what is your problem? Because will you take them down a wrong road? Will you lead them to a place where they shouldn't be? Will you let them grab hold on to a belief that's completely wrong? And it's just always uh, gets to me whenever he uses this terminology, and he does it more than this one time, imitate me. You know, imitate me. 
You ever watch little kids and how when they're with people, they'll be looking around and suddenly you find them doing the same thing that other people are doing? They're going to imitate somebody. Imitate me, he says. We were not idle when we were with you. In other words, these people, you know, don't, don't follow them. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those who are unwilling to work will not get to eat. <laughs> In other words, it's not saying, oh, hold on, I can't work, physical condition, something else going on. These people are unwilling to work, right? So he says, you imitate me, and I'm going to tie all these together here a little bit more in just a moment, talk about that. He says, you come to that place where you listen to what I have to say to you. You can follow my example. I could have asked you to take care of me. It wouldn't have been wrong, but I knew that you were watching me. I knew this was critical, and so what I did was I decided I'm not going to take anything from you because I want to set an example for you so that when you watch me and think of me, you know how I lived and you can follow that. And many times, if you're going to live a life that other people will follow, it will mean that you don't always get what you deserve. You are willing, like Paul, I won't ask for food, I won't ask for payment, I'm going to do this because I know it's what needs to be done. And then that means other people don't notice sometimes, doesn't it? Okay. And then he says, don't live an idle life. Don't live an idle life. <laughs> so he's staying on this subject. Remember, he said, here's what you're praying for. I'm closing this up. But I got to address one more thing before we stop. So here's what he says, verse 11. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. Isn't that surprising? We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. In other words, don't let them influence you. You do what you need, you need to do. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother and sister. Now that's a way to operate when there's people, brothers and sisters. You don't look at them as enemies. You look at them as people who aren't following what God needs them to do, so I care about you. And see, there's some things going on here. We know that First and Second Thessalonians were both written to them because they had confusion about the second coming of Christ, right? So some of them weren't working because they thought, hey, I don't need to work. Jesus Christ is coming back. I'm good. You know, I, I, he's going to be here pretty soon, so why should I do what I need to do, and, you know, uh, I'll just wait for him to return and everything will be fine. Also, at the same time, the Greeks, who are a part of this community and a part of the city that's there, the Greeks believed that manual labor was beneath them. 
and they hired everything done. They had people, slaves, that worked for them, and they had a feeling like we're superior in our knowledge and who we are, so we shouldn't have to do this. I got all kinds of words, minimal, horrible, mundane stuff. It's, it's something we're better than. And so he's fighting both of these philosophies that are prevalent in this time. And so he comes to that place, and he, again, he's not talking about those who can't work. He's talking about those who can and should. And so the problem is that when they weren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, what's the saying? An idle hands or the devil's workshop or an idle mind or something idle. You're not doing anything, so what are you doing? You're sitting around gossiping, aren't you? You're sitting around sticking your nose in places it doesn't belong. You're meddling in other people's business. Now, in our day and time, too many people, no, let me just, too many Christians meddle in other people's business. You know, what somebody else is doing is none of your business. Oh, but I really care for them. Then love them, but do not talk about them to somebody else. Well, I'm just sharing a prayer request to them. Yeah, right. And if you're not going to be responsible to help resolve the issue, then you need to keep your mouth shut. Talk to God about it. And so he says, he says, look, you don't treat them as enemies. And if you're meddling and talking about them, you're treating them as an enemy. He, he says, they're a brother and sister. You got to be careful of them. You warn them, you tell them, and you don't let them influence you. And thus he says to them, you stay going on. You don't get tired of doing what you know is doing when you're doing something and you're looking around and other people are just doing nothing. And it looks like, well, why should I do all this work if they're not going to help? Why should I do this if they're not going to take their part? Why should I? He says, don't get caught in that trap. And so there's a host of advice here that he gives to us that I think a lot of people would be very wise in following today. Because it's the basic things. If you're not going to work, you don't deserve to eat. And I don't have a responsibility to feed you. Boy, I could go a lot of places, couldn't I? And I'm not going to sit around and talk bad about you because you're not working. That's not my place. I'll keep doing what I know God wants me to do, and I'm not going to allow you to influence me. Any questions here? No? Oh, good. Let me give you some verses that, just so you understand, this isn't a one-time thing. Second Timothy, Paul, Paul writes to him in chapter 2, verse 23, I say it again, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments. It only starts fights. Can you say politics? Foolish, ignorant arguments. 
A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Be kind to everyone. Be able to teach. And be patient with difficult people. Anybody here know any difficult people? I know you're not living with one, but you know somebody else, right? You know, gently, notice, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change their hearts and they'll learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, for they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Romans chapter 16, verse 17, he writes this, I'm going to make one more appeal. Again, he's getting towards the end of the book. One more appeal, my dear brother and sister. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. Don't try to argue with them. Don't try to, well, you know, somebody's got to confront them. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They're serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. What's Paul's way to deal with that? Stay away from them. Don't let them, what's he saying? Don't let them influence you. Don't you get a bad attitude because of what they're doing. Titus 3.9. Don't get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. Again, not as an enemy, right? Brother and sister, correct? but I'm not going to let you influence me. I'm not going to pick up your attitude. People like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins will condemn them. Stand for what is right. The goal is always to restore. I'm not going to be hostile. I'm not going to be mean and nasty. I can be firm. I can take a stand. And I'm not going to treat you like, you're, oh, no, you're, you're horrible. I'm just going to say, no, this is not right. And if they listen, fine. If they don't, okay, that's their choice. But I'm not going to let them dictate to me how I'm going to behave. Over the course of years, you talk to any pastor who's done that, there are far too many people who have a problem with serving God because of what someone said to them or because of what someone did to them. Why would you allow someone else to dictate to you how you're going to behave? Well, they said that, and if that's the way they are, then I don't want anything to do with Christianity. That's the way it is. I just have a hard time, Pastor, trusting people because, you know, this is what somebody did to me and said to me. Well, hold up. What does God say for you to do? God says for you to forgive them, and you go on. Oh, but I, you know, you don't under... Over and over and over again. Pastor Steve, as he does counseling, you'll probably hear, he could probably tell you how many people try to blame somebody else for what they did rather than them taking responsibility and going on and being the person God wants them to be. We do have a question. We do. Okay. 
Question is, uh, do you think that these last few verses are being spoken also to Christians? Well, of course, that's who he is talking to. He's talking to the people of Thessalonica in the church. So he's addressing them of how they handle other people who might call themselves Christians, other people who maybe are a part of their body that aren't committed like they are, and saying to them, don't let them dictate to you what to do. So be careful. Be careful. You keep praying. You keep believing. You keep going forward. You keep doing what's right. You keep working when other people won't. You keep a hand on the truth when other people are twisting it and saying, well, maybe it means this or I think it's this. You don't go off that direction. You stay put to what you know and what Paul said. He says, here's the tradition. Here's what we gave to you. Don't go away from it no matter what anybody else does. And if other people are coming in trying to influence you, tell them, look, here's where I stand and here's what I believe and I'm not moving. And you can imitate me, right? Boy, that puts a lot of responsibility on us, doesn't it? But all of us have been through that ringer at one time or another, haven't we? All of us have seen it happen. So that's his parting shots to them. That's what he says to them. And then he wraps up the last few verses of his proof of authorship. And this, again, is something he does frequently at the end of his books. Proof of authorship. In other words, I want you to know this is not something written by somebody else. I want you to know this is my personal letter to you. I put a hand in this. Now, possibly some people think that Paul, his thorn had to do with his eyesight. Possibly because, remember on the road to Emmaus, he was blinded. Possibly there was something that was a part of that. And so most people believe that Paul dictated a lot of his letters. In other words, he would have somebody write them as he told them what to write. But it's like then at the end, he would take the parchment or whatever, and he would put his signature and his proof of… He said, this is me. I want you to see this clear. And so here's what he says, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace give you his peace at all times in every situation the Lord be with you all. So in the midst of all of this, the difficulties, the struggles that you have, peace should always be ruling in your life, shouldn't it? Not turmoil, not conflict, peace. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting. It's like taking the parchment, here it is, Paul. I do this in all my letters to prove they are from me. It's like he had it notarized. This is me doing this. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Wow. What a great way to end. I care about you. I love you. I pray that God would give you peace at all times. So to you, I would say, as he would say to you, I pray that this week, every moment of every day, you would have peace. And you have peace when you're doing what's right, don't you? 
You have peace when you're not in conflict with other people. And even though other people might not be what you want them to be, you don't have to get upset by it, and they don't have to steal your peace. So may that Lord of peace give you his peace at all times in every situation. May the grace, the strength, the power of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Wow. God's grace is sufficient for me. God's grace is sufficient for us to be the people God wants us to be. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for this great letter that's written to a people going through a difficult time. It could have been very easily been written today. It very easily could have just been sent to us. Confusion about the end and what's going on. People not living up to a certain standard. All kinds of rumors and people talking wrongly about other people and people propagating a gospel that isn't right. In the midst of it all, he says, stay firm. Don't deviate. Stay committed. Do what is right to do. Pray. And God's peace will be with you. And his grace will sustain you. Thank you for that assurance. And we go and live in that. In thy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.